We literally ran around in circles in the gymnasium. We ran around to the tunes of high-energy 1980s songs. It was high school. I was on the track team. And twice a year, we had pep rallies. And those were, well, let's just say it's not the most memorable time of high school for me. We didn't do very well in any of our sports as a high school, except every year the girls' volleyball team would make the state championship, and they would capture the title. A pep rally is a time for people to be filled with energy, to run around the room, and to say, yay, us, and, of course, boo them. After the great reformer of the church, the 20th century, Pope John XXIII called the Second Vatican Council. Lutherans and Roman Catholics started to work together in, in new ways, in ways that have been fruitful, dialogues, looking at things that have divided us for 500 years and working together work through some of those issues. There's still a lot of work to do, but that work is ongoing. And as that group of scholars looked at the upcoming commemoration, the anniversary of the start of the Reformation, they thought together, how can we do it in such a way that it's not a pep rally for Lutherans to go running around the room saying, yay us, boo you. Instead, how can we lift up the spirit of reformation? How can we lift up what God is doing in the church today to bring about a new witness? And how can we take a look at the divisions and the brokenness that being apart has caused? We began our worship today with the confession that that same group of scholars put together for a historic worship that happened last year. The start of a year of commemorations. As I mentioned earlier, a group of Lutherans from around the world got together with Roman Catholic counterparts and, and Pope Francis was invited, wanted to be invited to that event and together, they marked the start of commemorations. We began today with confession because there is much for us to repent of. When we have looked to the past and old traditions, when we have called our neighbors names, when we have disowned parts of our family, that we're either Catholic or Lutheran, there's much for us to take note of today. Jesus said to those who believed in him, if you continue in my word, you will truly be my disciples. The truth will set you free. You will know the truth. The truth will be a part of your life. 
as you continue, as you remain, as you abide, as you kind of get in there and hang on to the words of Christ. Now certainly in John's gospel, when we talk about the words of Jesus, we talk about the things that Jesus teaches, the words that come out of his mouth. We know the stories of Jesus telling parables and sayings, talking about God's love and grace and mercy. We know the proclamation that Jesus shared to a world that was hurting. God loves us deeply. God wants to be in relationship with a world that is torn apart. But also in John's words, John's gospel, the word means something else. It means Jesus' life itself. Because at the beginning of the gospel, we read that in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. We need to look at the life of Jesus if we want to continue in discipleship. And we need to watch Jesus as he goes out and crosses boundaries, as he sits down to have meals with people. Yeah, with the holy people, but also with those who are outcasts and sinners, those on the periphery. Just at the beginning of this gospel, the life of Jesus walked into the center of the area right outside of the temple. And a crowd was gathered, an angry crowd was gathered. They had stones in their hands. They had dragged a woman into the street who was caught in the act of adultery. Now we want to ask, where was the man? But that's something for another time. There was this woman and the crowd had stones and they were ready to throw. And Jesus said, looking at all of them, who here is without sin? Who here is not broken in their relationship with God? You can throw your stone first. And one by one they dropped the stones into the earth. And they walked away. And left alone with the woman, Jesus said, Where are your accusers? I do not condemn you. You are free. That's what the life of Jesus is about. It is about freeing people. It is about forgiving. It is allowing new possibilities to emerge. From the brokenness of the past. If you continue in my word, you will be my disciples. That is hard to do. Really hard to do. It's hard to do because we get caught up in old traditions and old identities. We fail to open our eyes to a reforming faith. A faith that is changing. A faith that is opening unto God. It's hard to get out of our past selves. It's also hard work. Hard work. Because we're so busy. There's so much going on in our lives. You ask a group of people, how are you doing? I'm so busy. I'm running here to there to there to there. We don't have time to stop. To breathe, 
Never mind attending to matters of faith, reforming and changing our faith. It's hard work to continue as Jesus' disciple. It's also hard work because we've bought into another sort of works righteousness. A transactional thinking of faith. If we say our prayers, if we go to church, if we do all the good and nice things, then life is going to be good. Life is going to be, our prayers are going to be answered. Trouble is going to be pushed away. We've bought into that lie. We're not involved in buying indulgences anymore. That kind of works righteousness. Instead, we have this sort of transactional thinking of God. And it gets us in trouble. And it leaves our hearts broken. If you continue in my word, if you continue in the life that I have given you, you will know. You will know that God is present. You see, it is such hard work that God doesn't leave us alone. In fact, the life of Jesus, the Word made flesh, lives among us in the midst of our brokenness, in the midst of our trouble, and continues to give us a faith that is reforming and reshaping each day of our lives. God is present. That's why we celebrate today. It is because God is present here in the church again and again. No matter the brokenness, no matter the things that need fixing and, and reshaping, God is present. And because God is here, resurrection and new life are possible. So today... As we commemorate this special anniversary. We could run around the room a whole bunch of times. And say yay us. And be done with it tomorrow morning. Or as the disciples of Jesus. We can claim that reforming faith. A reforming faith. And tomorrow when we put on our shoes and we head out the door, we can make the sign of the cross on our foreheads and we can be reminded that we are God's children. Blessed by God, forgiven by God, and called by God to share that love and that grace as we go out the door. As I walk in the door every Reformation Sunday, it's my prayer that the church will be different next year. The church will not stop reforming and not stop engaging that life of Christ, but allow that life of Christ, that love, that grace of God, to shape us and change us anew. And so we might be a new people next year. We might be a new people. Individually, our faith might give a source of strength, a sense of joy in our living, that our reforming faith as a community might be expressed in new partnerships and new ways of reaching and living out the gospel. 
So happy Reformation. Happy changing day. And may the reforming faith that God gave you in your baptism be a source of joy and strength and love for you. Amen.